Welcome. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the absolute truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God, as well as your confidence, satisfaction, and faithfulness in Him, or so that you will hear the true gospel, come to genuine faith in Christ Jesus, and receive eternal life from God if you have not already. In this podcast, we will discuss the glorification of believers in Christ, our future glorified bodies, and describe with as much detail as biblically provided the magnitude, purpose, splendor, and power of this climactic event. Our topic today is spectacular, beautiful, certainly mysterious and a bit confusing, but remarkable and extremely significant. So significant is the glorification of believers, the future glorified state that believers will be in, that Peter in his first letter says that it is the hope for every believer. So amazing that even angels long to look into the details of these truths, Peter writes. The glorification of believers. We certainly hope that this message will be of encouragement to you as we do our best to unpack the detail that the Bible presents on this subject. It is no doubt God's intent to encourage the believer with this truth of our future glorified state. Before we dig into the details of the glorified body, I would like to read three quick verses, beginning with Romans chapter 8, verse 30, where Paul writes, Those whom God called, he also justified, and those whom God justified, he also glorified. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Wow. Colossians 3, verse 4, Paul writes, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What is this word glory? A state a, of God and his being and his environment. Doxa in Greek, kavod in Hebrew. It is translated the appearance, state, or manifestation of God's splendor or power, or the state characterized by honor, power, and remarkable appearance of majesty or splendor. So to be glorified means to be in a state of splendor, majesty, and perfection bodily. And that is the hope of the believer and the promise from God. Glorification, then, is the process where a believer is transformed by God's power into a majestic, immortal, and spiritual body of glory. So before we get into the details of the glorified body, let's first answer this question, when 
and how will our glorification occur? Well, as you may know, your body is divided into two parts, basically. You have the biological shell, your your body, the flesh, and then you have an internal soul. Your soul is not visible to the human eye. It is visible to God and tangible to God. It is your essence. At your death, your body and soul are separated. Your body will go into the grave and will decompose. Your soul will then go to one of two places. We encourage you, if you have not listened to our podcast two episodes on, ago on what happens to a person when they die, uh, we encourage that you listen to that. It gives detail into this. But if you are a person who dies outside of Christ, meaning you are not right with God, reconciled to God, forgiven of your sin when you die, what happens to you is your soul will go into a place known as Hades, as the Bible describes a holding facility, a dungeon of consciousness as you await your eventual judgment by God, which will be dreadful. This is why we say, please, if you are not a believer in Christ Jesus, please consider God's offer of grace in salvation and forgiveness to anyone who trusts in his son, the Lord Jesus. Christ is the only way to salvation and an internal way to your salvation. If you are a believer in Christ, then when you die, your body will go into the grave and likely decay. Your soul, however, will then be transferred into paradise, as Jesus says, heaven, and you will be with Christ. Your soul When Christ returns at his second coming, an event that is planned by God the Father that will happen, the second coming of Christ Jesus, the return of Christ, the day of God, the day of the Lord, the day as the Bible describes it, this will occur. When Christ returns, the souls of every believer throughout history who have already died, those souls will descend with Christ on that day. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul gives some detail. Then, remarkably, a new glorified body will come out of the grave or come out of the earth somehow, very mysterious, and will be united to the descending soul, and that believer will be glorified. If you are alive when Christ returns, then you will not experience a biological death, but your body will be immediately radically changed into a new glorified body, and then you will ascend and meet Christ and all believers in the air. Christ will come down and he will do some things on this earth, one of which is to judge the world and the ungodly. As 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 Paul writes, when, when Christ returns, he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body at the second coming of Christ. So the big question is, What will the glorified body be like? How does the body describe this future glorified state for the believer? Well, the clearest chapter in the Bible on this subject is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which many have said is, for the believer, the most encouraging chapter 
in the Bible. I can see why people make that claim. It is certainly encouraging. And in this, Paul will describe, using a lot of metaphorical language, the glorified body that is to come. And uh, we will read part of this passage and do our best to then decipher the detail. So I will read quickly through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in 35. It's very, very metaphorical. Paul is using agricultural metaphors to describe the distinction between your current body now to the future body of glory. Verse 35, someone will ask, Paul writes, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? Then he explains, what you sow, sow is a, is a farmer, for example, throwing seed into the field to then germinate plants. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. The seed dies and then the plant comes. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly body is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, and star differ from Star in glory. So he's making the distinction between your current body and your future glorified body metaphorically. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown is in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam. Yes, Adam was the first man. God made all mankind, and he began the creation of mankind through one man named Adam in the Garden of Eden, whom God made literally with his own hand out of dirt. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam is in reference to Christ Jesus. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we look like Adam now. We look like Adam from the moment he was created. We act like Adam after he sinned, that's for sure, but we look like Adam did. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning die in Christ, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. Apparently, when Christ returns, as he says in Matthew 24 and other places, it will be glorious. It will be visible. He will be seen. There will be angels coming with him. And there is a, an angel who will blow a trumpet to begin this entire return, and it will be heard universally. The angel for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. The dead in Christ, that is, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, your current body, must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body, your current body, must put on immortality. So let's do our best to unpack the detail to hopefully give you insight and encourage you in the truth of the glorified state. So some obvious facts from the Bible in this passage about our future glorified bodies. Point number one is that our future glorified bodies will be radically different than our current bodies, beyond any experience that mankind has ever had. In fact, beyond anything that we can imagine. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. It has not been seen by human eyes yet what the glorified body for the believer will look like. Paul describes it in, in terms that prove the, the radical difference between your current body and your future glorified body, comparing your current body to a seed, just a little seed that is thrown into the ground that dies, and then through germination and photosynthesis in water, it produces this large plant. What you sow, verse 37, is not the body that will be, so you're not the body that will be but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. So Paul describes our current body like a little seed or a kernel. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and then it grows into this beautiful, large, productive plant, maybe even a mustard tree, from a little seed to a mustard tree. I don't think Paul is talking about the size of the glorified body as much as he is the distinction between your current state and what is to come. Secondly, the glorified body will be eternal, never-ending, immortal. In our passage, verse 42, Paul says that the current body is sown perishable. It is raised imperishable. Your body now is a perishing body. It will die eventually. It is raised imperishable. It is never-ending. It will never die. You will live forever in the glorified body in the kingdom of heaven. Nothing can interrupt that. Forever we will live in this state of glory. The body will not let you not live forever. You are immortal, imperishable, eternal. Point number three is that the body will be glorious, glorious body. It is sown in dishonor, verse 43. It is raised in glory. You will be majestic. You will have a body of splendor and perfection. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 13, verse 43, that the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father, which is what Daniel the prophet said 
in Daniel 12, verse 3, that believers will shine like the stars forever. I don't think this means that you and I will be on fire like our sun or another star, but the brightness, the splendor of our glorified body will be evident. Also, by using the word glory, it means that you and I will be perfect. Your current body, Paul writes, is sown in dishonor. It is weak. It is sinful. It is faulty. It has many imperfections. You will be raised in glory. We will be perfect. No sin ever. No flaws. No ailments. No sickness. No disease. Perfect. 100% a perfect body. Point number five is that not only will our body be immortal, glorious, perfect, it will be powerful. Your current body is, as described by the Bible, is a body of weakness. Now, (laughs) you probably are a very strong person, and if you read some of the accomplishments by men and women around the world and the world records on how much weight people can lift and how fast people can run and how far they can throw a ball and how quickly their minds can solve algorithms and do things. It is astonishing, the human body. It is an amazing piece of work by God. But according to God, it is weak and currently dishonorable. The new body, our glorified body, will be a body of power, extreme strength. For what purposes? The Bible does not tell us. I certainly do not know. But you will have exceeding strength in your body of glory. Sixthly, we will also be a spiritual body. Paul says in verse 44 that the body is sown a natural body. You are a natural body. You are organic. We were made out of dirt from the very beginning. That's why when we die, we return to dirt. That's why the body turns to dust, because that's what we were made out of by God's supernatural power. It is a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. It will be visible. Your body will be tangible. It will be recognizable by those who've known you and God, uh, but it will be spiritual. It is not a natural body, according to the Bible. Adam was natural. He was made of dirt. He's organic. The first man was of the earth, Paul writes, a man of dust. He was natural. You and I are natural and organic now. The glorified body, according to this passage, is not a natural body. It is a spiritual body. The first man was of the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's what we are now. And as is the man of heaven, Christ in his current glorified state, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, which we do, we shall bear the image of the man of heaven. Brothers, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 50, does this mean that we will not be biological in our glorified state? It seems to state that this is so. 
that that we're not flesh and blood. Some people think that we will be perfect flesh and blood. I, I think that if we are flesh and blood, which is hard to pull that out of this passage, but if we are flesh and blood, then we're far more than just sinless flesh and blood, and we are far beyond what Adam was even at creation. A lot of people may think that we are going back to the state that Adam was in at creation prior to his fall. Why would this not be the state that you and I are actually going to in our glorified bodies? Well, Adam had one problem. He certainly, certainly he was sinless. He was righteous in God's sight. He was innocent and he was in favor with God and had relationship with God. No doubt. He was in man's very best condition ever throughout the history of mankind, but he had one minor problem, at least. He was not perfect. Why was he not perfect? Because Adam sinned. He fell to sin a day, a week, or a month after he was created. He did immediately what God told him to do. You and I, in this state of glory, will never sin nor think about sin. It's impossible for the perfect body of glory to sin, according to the Bible. So we will be spectacular, and I would say with confidence, way beyond what we were like, even in our original state before sin. And point number seven, as the Bible states, we will be like Christ's glorified body. Now, we must say this, that this does not mean that you and I will be divine. Excuse me. Only God is divine, but we will be perfect with a glorified body that is similar, if not exactly matching, to Christ's current glorified body. God the Father is divine. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is divine. God the Holy Spirit is divine. You and I will not be divine. We will not be God. We're not going to become God as some unfortunately try to cheat, teach in this world. That's a wicked heresy. We will be like Christ and we will be glorified like Christ. As Paul writes, Christ will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And as John writes in 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not been revealed. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what is Christ's glorified body? What is the body of glory that Christ currently resides in? Well, these are two very interesting questions. And quite frankly, I would say impossible to answer, at least now. But we will try to answer these questions using the Bible. What, when was Christ glorified is the first question we will answer. When was Christ actually glorified? Because Christ was he is eternal the son of god is eternal he became flesh 2000 years ago became a human being he lived a perfect life he was crucified on a cross to shed human blood to pay for the sins of god's people he rose from the grave and then 40 days later he ascended in heaven when was christ actually quote unquote glorified well according to jesus in john 17 he was glorified when he ascended into heaven 
as he's praying to his father in John 17, he says, and now father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Whatever glory the Son of God was in prior to his incarnation, when he was not a human, is the glory that Christ Jesus, now as a glorified man, will re-enter into. And then John writes in John chapter 7, verse 39, that the Spirit will not be given until Christ is glorified. And we know that the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost soon after, about 10 days after, if you do the the math and connect with the uh, holidays, after Christ had ascended and, and had taken his throne in heaven and was glorified. So his glorified body that we will be like according to the Bible, is his current glorified state now. We will be like him. We will see him as he is now. So how is Jesus now in glory? Well, again, this is impossible to describe. But Jesus gives some clue. He describes that when he returns, his body will be dynamic and brilliant and full of glory, Matthew 24. And John writes in Revelation 1, so glorified, so brilliant will be Christ when he descends that the entire planet will see him coming. Every eye will see him, no matter what part of the planet you live on. When Christ came the first time, it wasn't so obvious, and he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, People didn't know who he was. Most people didn't believe who he was. When he returns, there will be no misunderstanding. His full glory will be on display. And and seemingly, his glory now is more than the glory that he may have had in his earthly body. For example, after his resurrection, Jesus is in the Sea of Galilee while his disciples are fishing, John 21. And Jesus is on the beach, and he's actually making some fish for his guys. And he he yells out maybe 50 yards away, hey, throw your nets out there one more time. And they don't know who it is. Verse 4 of John 21. And then when they catch such a huge haul of fish, I think 153 to be exact, Peter realizes the Lord. Now, From 50 yards, if they could not recognize who that was, I would say Jesus was not glorified in his earthly state. But when he returns, he will be, it will be fully obvious from miles, miles away that he is coming. I would say much like the transfiguration is a bit more like Jesus's current glorified state. If you look in Luke chapter 9, Matthew chapter 17, you will see that Jesus transfigured, quote-unquote, before John, James, and Peter on the mountain by the Sea of Galilee, and his face was bright white, and he looked radically different as he somewhat pulled back his outer shell and showed himself. And this would probably be what John saw in Revelation. John 
arguably Jesus's closest friends certainly knew Jesus as well as anyone, spent the, as much time with Jesus as anyone. And then as John is having his vision into things that he's writing in the book of Revelation, he hears a voice speaking to him. Who It is Jesus Christ behind him. And here's how John describes what he sees. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. His hairs, the hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. That is radically different. When, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. So terrifying was the sight. John, not knowing who it is, he falls down as though dead. But Jesus laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, I am the first and the last. That is some glory and a very spectacular description. I'm sure that John is doing his best to describe what he saw when he, when he looked upon Christ at this moment using terminology we understand. But when you combine that and the transfiguration, there is something brilliant that is in Christ's glorified body. Whatever the glorified body is, we do not exactly know. What we will be has not yet been revealed. And as, as, as Paul write in, wrote in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot imagine this remarkable glorified state that we are going in. But what we do know is that it will be phenomenal, spectacular, perfect, glorious, immortal, powerful, guaranteed, and promised by God. Believers in Christ, how encouraging is this? Believers in Christ will absolutely be glorified at the return of Christ. We will be changed into a new spiritual body, a glorified, majestic, splendorous, perfect, eternal, immortal body, imperishable, a perfect body that is now designed to enter, endure, and enjoy God's full glory. This will be a body prepared and given by Christ why? Because Christ loves us and he wants to give us our very best. And Christ wants you, O oh believer, to be in his kingdom, in his father's house. And your glory is required for that experience. And Christ wants you, O oh believer, O oh disciple, O oh sheep of Christ, to be in his glory and to see his glory. He wants to show you his full glory. 
He prayed that to his father in John 17, verse 24, when he writes, Father, I want those that you have given me, my disciples, my sheep, my bride, to be where I am and to see my glory. A glory that according to the Bible, Romans, that a glory, Thessalonians, that we will share in this glory. And a glory that Christ wants you to enjoy and experience for all eternity. So you will receive a body that will never, ever end. Where there will be no more. Never experienced ever death, pain, hurt, crying, disease, cancer, COVID, diabetes, blindness, heart attacks, Injuries, sickness, no more fighting, no wars, no murder, no anger, conflict, hurt, imperfections, or sin ever again. Only joy, perfection, honor, glory, laughing, celebration, and worship of God, and God-pleasing and us-pleasing enjoyments in the eternal kingdom of heaven forever. Praise the Lord. For the believer in Christ, the glorification of our bodies, this future event, is absolutely our greatest hope, considering all that goes with it. Amen. Well, we hope that this message proves to be of some encouragement to you or help even in your own ministry. We look very forward to being with you next time. Thank you for listening. Spread the word.